This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Carnivore Snacks. With only two ingredients, meat and salt, Carnivore Snacks is a clean way to stay healthy on the go with a quick and convenient meal. Perfect for travel, at the office, or even on the couch when you need that meat fix. Unlike other brands, Carnivore Snacks is light, flaky, Crispy. It is not jerky, it's a meat pastry. My personal favorite is the pork, which is light and flaky, perfectly salty. The beef sliders gives a great crunch and a perfect chip replacement. The ribeye is loaded with fat and melts in your mouth. All of their meat is grass finished, sourced from white oak pastures, and regeneratively raised. Support this small business and this podcast. Check out carnivoresnacks.com. And use code Laura Eastbath for a 15% discount on your first order. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common Denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk, get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air,、uh, and, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Judy Cho, and I am here with my co host, Laura Spath. Hey, Laura, how's it going? Hi. So, today we are going to talk about cheat meals and cheat days and what that all means. I mean, does it make sense to have cheat meals? Does it make sense to have cheat days、um, on a meat based diet? So, Laura, for you,、um, you know, what, what do you consider a cheat meal, a cheat day? Like, what is your kind of view of things with that? So, first of all, I think this is a question you and I both get asked a lot. Like, Can I have a cheat meal or can I have a cheat day? Or I think also we both get people kind of confessing a lot like, I was doing great and then I had a、yeah. cheat meal and now I got really off track again. And so I think those are all things that matter.、Um, for me personally, where I've been in my journey has always made a difference. And so a cheat can be a lot of different things. It could be a full on, like real sugar carbs, like completely off the wagon kind of thing, or it could be. Simply just, I eat way too much cheese, and then maybe that kind of like sends me down a little bit of a spiral. So it kind of depends on on where I am.、Um, I was always somebody who had a lot of cheat days in the past, like years past, but that's also why I could never stick to anything before and always gain back any weight that I lost because I was always kind of rewarding myself with those full on carb treats and like going back to all my old food. So that was definitely. Something that I have had to learn to move past again, you know, to be successful. Right. And it's interesting.、Um, I know when I first went keto, I would see a lot of people post about cheat days or a future day that they are going to cheat. And then it made sense in terms of motivation, right? So, hey, I'll be clean or sober, or I'll be,、um, well, I guess sober is not the right word, but, you know, I'll eat meat based or eat ketogenically until. 
three weeks out. And then on that specific day, I plan on having certain foods that are kind of not part of the diet. And that helped a lot of people to stay motivated. And then sometimes people would actually do that day and eat those foods. That always helped me a lot too, like planning ahead, like especially in the very beginning. I say this often, but if you told me that like you have to eat this way forever and you can never have those treats again forever, like I probably would never have stuck to it in the first place. And so as soon as I started, I had to plan a cheat day. Now, it doesn't mean I actually had it. I usually try to like let my future self worry about that, but it definitely is saying like, okay, 30 days from now or on my birthday or on this, I'm attending a wedding. I want, that's really good motivation for me to stay strict until that date. And then I would plan, um, plan for it and then kind of reevaluate as you got closer to it. But it usually helped me kind of stay off any immediate cravings because knowing that I could look forward to something in the future. That totally makes sense. And so I think for some people, they wouldn't actually take that cheat day because they were in such a good place, but it was that temporary motivation. And so I think it does make sense. Um, I know for me, though, personally, whenever I planned a cheat day, that cheat day, and I think it's part of the whole eating disorder I come from, um, that cheat day would end up becoming a whole day of just eating really bad. And then the next day was that much harder to kind of get back into the rhythm of things. And so for me, cheat days never have worked. Um, I think even just kind of the terminology affects me. So knowing that it's a cheat, it's like, okay, if we're cheating, if this is off plan, well, then everything is available. And that would always kind of have me spiraling. So first of all, for me, I, I think semantics, terminologies are so important. And that's why I don't like to say, you know, I binged on something if that's not food, because you know, it's like, it's a kind of a sensitivity for me. But I think that if I were to say I ate off plan, or even with my clients, when I say I eat off plan, it's so much more, okay, we are deciding to veer off of these kind of guardrails that we've made, and we're eating something different. The mindset is so different than to say you're cheating, right? You're, you're doing something bad or illegal. And therefore, you know, kind of everything's off the table. And so I think the mindset in that sense, um, I don't know if that affected me, but I don't like to, in general, say cheat meals, but I think I just, if anything, saying eating off plan is sounds so much better and maybe won't derail you as much. I think that's it. I think when people plan for these specific cheat days or cheat meals, first of all, like I don't know many people um, who are able to keep it into one meal and just have something small. I think people who are like us, who have dealt with any type of issues with food in the past, like I used to plan ahead and like think how much stuff can I cram into one day? And like, if I'm going to have a cheat day, like let's just completely blow this thing out of the water and make it count. And then then I'll get it out of my system. Or, you know, before I started this, I always thought like, I just needed one last cheat day to eat all of those foods. And then that would somehow make me successful. If I just like really felt like trash to get started or somehow eating all those foods one last time would somehow make me successful with being strict again. Um, And it's this, it's those weird lies that you tell yourself that somehow that's going to work. But I'm not really capable of kind of eating well during the day and then, you know, enjoying two slices of pizza and a small little treat afterwards. Like to me, I would just need to like wreck the whole day and cram in 15,000 calories in a day or like whatever that would look like. Um, And it just doesn't help. You know, it does. It doesn't make anything better. It doesn't help me mentally. And so I have to really focus hard on not um, not doing that. I think that's where the whole abstainer and moderator comes in. So for me too, um, I could never just say, or I guess I couldn't before say, well, I'll eat clean all day and then maybe I'll have just a dark piece of chocolate. And that's the abstainer side of me. It's like, if I want one piece of chocolate, then I want kind of the whole thing. But I do have clients that are moderators. So then they're able to do that. And they only will reduce the chocolate if let's say they're not healing. So I think one, it's really understanding kind of your own individual self. So if you're not a moderator, especially with sugar, and you know, there are so many studies with sugar being addictive, then maybe it's not as helpful. But even with that, 
I asked my husband because he's a total moderator. So he had a period where he went carnivore and because he did it for me as a birthday present a few years ago. And he hated it because he's a moderator. And so it drove him crazy that he couldn't have a little bit of something. And then he did more like paleo. So then on Fridays, he would say, Fridays, all bets are off. It's my cheat day. And so he would eat as many carbohydrates as he wanted. And there were some days where he went up to, because he tracks everything. uh, There were some days that he would go up to 500 grams of carbohydrates. And what he started noticing was after several months, like that one Friday once a month became two Fridays in a month and then three Fridays. So even for a moderator, it just wasn't working. That cheat day became much more often until he stopped eating as clean. And now he still eats low carb, but it's cyclical. So I think you have to know yourself, but also know in general, cheat days are not very easy to kind of continue. Yeah, there's the mental aspect and the physical, which I think we can break down here in a little bit. But like, I think there are, I am not one of those people who could eat clean all week and then Friday nights, I say this often, but I can't have a cheap meal Friday night and then get back on track Saturday morning. Like the Friday night would turn into Friday night, all day Saturday and all day Sunday. And then I would really struggle getting back on track Monday morning again, which is pretty much why I started a diet like every Monday for probably 10 years, um, where every single Monday I would go around and then sometimes I'd make it to Tuesday and then I'd get off the wagon and wait till the following Monday. Sometimes I'd make it all the way to like Thursday or Friday, but like I never quite could get consistent times in front of me, mainly because there was always some reason or excuse that I found, um, to kind of have a cheat day. And I think that's usually where that mentality of all or nothing, having the term cheat is I have cheated. Now I have failed. I am an all or nothing type person. Well, whoop, there it goes. I gave up. I failed. Might as well go and just continue on for days. And like the motivation to kind of get right back on track again is completely lost. And that's been my biggest thing that I've had to focus on over the last three years. And partly why I gained weight last year was just because any deviation whatsoever, I feel this huge, like, give up, like this mentality of I failed. And it's so hard for me to regain control at that point. I think the, so I've, you know, had some periods of that as, as well, especially the first year for me, when I would fall out of ketosis, because let's say I had too many sweeteners first, and then it ended up being real sugar. My thought was, well, I have to go through that keto flu again. So what's one more day of not going through it? And then knowing the pain of going through the keto flu where you have to, your body's going to have low energy and then it's trying to get back to um, running on ketones and then you're not burning your sugar anymore. And that kind of sluggishness, you know, low mood, low energy And it's like so much easier to just go, okay, I'm just going to push it back one more day of having to go through that. And then just more and more every time if I cheated or, you know, if I ate some sugar, it's just it wasn't worth it anymore because it's just knowing that I have to go through that whole process. That was just it. It just didn't make it as worth even eating that sugar. But it took many years for me to get here. I think that's where the physical element comes into it because like you said, you knock yourself out of ketosis. And so whether you're doing low carb or keto or strict carnivore, your body is not burning carbs for fuel, right? It's burning uh, ketones and it's burning fat for fuel. And so when you have a bunch of carbs, your body switches back into that carb burning mode again. And so it takes, it's not a quick fix. You can't just not eat carbs for a day and go back to that fat burning mode again. It takes several days. It could take four or five, depending on what you've done and how strict you are once you get back on track and how much fasting you do. It can take you, let's say five days to get back to ketosis again. So this is the, was a huge light bulb moment for me. And I kind of explained this to my mom as well, where if you are having a cheap meal, one little meal every single Friday night, or you're drinking in excess every Friday night or whatever you're doing where you're knocking, you're having extra third glass of wine on a Friday night once a week while you're knocking yourself out of ketosis and you're knocking yourself out of that fat burning mode. And it's going to take you several days to get back into that again. So maybe it's not until Wednesday or Thursday 
And then you're feeling bad. You're feeling drained. So you have that extra glass of wine again at night, or you have a little treat or it's somebody's birthday at work and you have a little piece of cake. Like all of those little things don't feel like a lot to you, but they are just enough to keep you in that state of feeling like crap and to not see any results from, from eating this way. Yeah, that's what I always say about um, some people will always message me or even some of my clients will tell me, well, I only eat about, you know, 30 grams of carbs. And if you're not fully in ketosis, especially when on a carnivore diet, your ketones are lower generally than somebody that's in a on a ketogenic diet. And so if your ketones are already kind of low, and then you're adding like little bits of honey or little bits of fruit or, you know, little bits of carbs at night so you could go to sleep, then you're kind of like in that middle weird spot where you don't have enough glucose for consistent energy, but then you don't have enough ketones for energy as well. So you're like in this weird spot where you don't get a lot of energy and then people feel really crappy. And so then the kind of natural thing to do is to add more carbs and then it just kind of makes you backtrack um, a lot. And so I, I do see that a lot. I think a lot of people don't like going through that keto flu. And so then they will start just eating carbs. Like I have several clients that they're like, yeah, meat based. And then as we go through what they're eating, they eat a pretty significant amount of like honey or uh, fruits, and it's at least 100 grams. And, and then I'm like, well, you need to check because they totally have the signs of that afternoon insulin dip, where like two, three o'clock, they're having that sugar crash, and they need more energy. And so they're like, oh, if I eat some fruit or I eat some honey, I feel better. And I'm like, oh, you're in a lighter version of that blood sugar roller coaster. And so then I have them check their, um, you know, blood sugar and ketones and they see it. But then the first day they try to cut the sugars, they feel that dip in energy. And they're like, oh, I, I think for me, I actually need those sugars. And it's just, no, I don't think you've felt that zero carb zen kind of feeling. Right. I think the same thing happens with a lot of the keto treats and stuff where, um, first of all, for me, they never taste as good as the <laughs> real thing. And they just leave me actually, they usually increase my cravings because I'll eat a piece totally. of the sugar-free chocolate or the, you know, some sort of keto ice cream or whatever the popular new thing is that everybody's talking about. That's the keto flavored sweetener, something it never tastes as good as like the original. And so I just, it usually, like I said, increases my cravings and then also just makes me feel bad, um, makes my digestive act up again and makes me mentally just, you know, usually I physically get sore and my body gets really inflamed with it. But then more than anything, it makes you kind of sluggish again. Those things can knock you out of ketosis. Too much rebel ice cream and Lily's chocolate and chalk zero, like all of those things um, can all knock you out of ketosis as well. And so if you're having those regularly, um, or too much of them at once, like those things can do the same thing as Ben and Jerry's. I know that Chalk Zero, and then there's a gummy bear one that's supposed to be keto friendly. I forgot what it's called. Um, but those two, whatever sweetener they use, if you actually check your blood sugar before you eat it and then after, it raises your blood sugar supposedly even higher than if you were to eat real sugar. And that's the dangerous thing because then you also eat more because you're like, oh, this is a keto version. So I can eat the whole bag or I can eat the whole pint. Um, but oftentimes they use these sweeteners that also affect your gut and they make you feel super bloated and gassy and you just don't feel well. And then on top of that, you have to think about your brain may not be really, your brain, you know, registers that you're eating something sweet, but your gut doesn't get the real pure sugar. And so what does that do to your kind of brain gut uh, relationship? And so I wonder if some of that is also causing us to have more cravings, right? So the gut's waiting for real sugar, it never really comes. And so is that a reason why we actually crave more sugar when we're taking these artificial sweeteners, which aren't necessarily good for us? That makes sense. I never really knew that or put those things together before, but it makes sense because I just figured I was just like irritated that it wasn't as good as Ben and Jerry's, but maybe there is that, uh, you know, actual physical element that's yeah. kind of my body's just not feeling satisfied in the same way um, before. I always say to people, I mean, I've talked about this so many times now, but there's studies where rats or rodents are addicted to cocaine. And then as soon as they taste sugar, they're like, I don't need the drugs anymore. I'll eat sugar, right? That's right. why there's a whole chapter on car in Carnivore Cure about the genuine addictiveness 
of sugar, how it lights up the same brain um, areas and pathways that like other drugs that are addictive um, hit. So when it comes to real sugar, especially if you have an addictive personality or if you had an addiction to sugary foods, I don't think having these cheat meals are ideal. Maybe if you have some healing and your body is now truly fat adapted and now is using fat and it's nourished that once in a while, if you have some ice cream, you won't feel as bad or you can tolerate it or you don't feel like you need to have this binge. Um, Maybe you can get there, but I just don't think it's ideal to have cheat days in the beginning. Sure, you can plan one and maybe you don't fully veer off, but it's it's really tricky. Um, I just haven't seen anyone successfully do cheat meals. And I think if people did, honestly, they wouldn't be on a diet, right? Because they know how to self-regulate naturally. And then they don't need to be on a diet. They would not be on a ketogenic or carnivore diet. They're probably some sort of like weird moderator who loves exercise (laughs) and loves running and just can eat what they want. And like, then they're not listening to this podcast. So (laughs) we're not talking to you, (laughs) right? There's this girl who used to teach classes when I, for that, like, remember that six months when I actually went to the gym and I would take classes. Um, She was, first of all, she was like goals, right? Just the most gorgeous, amazing woman ever teaching this class. Uh, And she was always talking about like, Oh, I had this this weekend and this this weekend and let's burn those calories from that cake I had for my kid's birthday. And like, I just loved her for so many reasons. And, um, but she definitely was somebody who could like exercise. She taught these intense workout classes and she did that 12 times a week or however many classes that she taught and she was constantly exercising and that was just her life. And so if she wanted to regulate that by eating something else, great. Those are, that's fine. That's also why we see people in, even in the carnivore world who are like super fit and can enjoy things like honey regularly because they're exercising for hours and hours a day. I'm not going to do that. My body's not going to burn off that sugar. I'm not a lean, fit, muscular man who's going to burn off a bunch of sugar if I eat it. And so my body's going to react in that way differently than somebody else is who does a lot of those exercises. Um, And so there's the mental aspect of it, but there's also the physical aspect of it. One of those influencers asked me, you know, offline, like, oh, so, you know, what what plant foods are you adding back? Have you tried honey yet? Have you tried white rice? rice? And I just said, no, if anything, I'm going to try the veggies because, like, I just have that eating disorder history with sugar and, and like, the binging and all of that. And so the last thing I would probably try is honey. And the other thing is I don't really like honey anyway. Um, so it's just very bio individual, it really affects like, it just really depends on your history. And if you had metabolic disease, right? So I mean, I I know that a lot of carnivores come to this place because they were diabetic before or they had prediabetes. Those probably are some of the people that may not do well with adding a little bit of sugar here and there, maybe they'll get there. Um, I know for me personally, now, I mean, less than four years in. But now that my body is truly fat adapted, if I have a little bit of my kids like veggies, or now if I even test or dabble with a little bit of like keto ice cream, I don't have that anxiety of oh, no, I need a binge now that I used to the first year. So I do think you can grow and change. But I know I'm not going to just dabble in pure junk food because I mean, I just know where my brain will go from there. So you just need to figure out what works for you. But I think in the beginning, it's really, really, really important to get that adapted. And I think there are so many carnivores that don't get there because they, from the beginning, they reduce all these vegetables. Like, okay, I won't eat any more vegetables because of the anti-nutrients. But they, from the very beginning, they keep in the fruits right, the avocados, the the honey. And so they never really get into a ketogenic state. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think they're still having the bridge foods or the treat foods. I think certain things for me are were amazing bridge foods, like having a piece of sugar-free gum after a meal really helped me break desserts. Or having a half-frozen Diet Coke sitting on the couch at night really helped me break my addiction to eating a pint of ice cream every night. Like I needed those bridge foods to get me weaned off of those things. But if my bridge food was a, which it was for a a time in the beginning, I thought I was going to have a little square or 
couple little squares of Lily's chocolate. Well, that turned into eating the whole bar and like a half a cup of peanut butter because I would dip it in peanut butter. Like that's not a good bridge food because that's going to keep me out of ketosis all the time. And so for me, giving up everything and never tasting anything sweet ever again the rest of my life was not an option. It was too overwhelming for me to think of that type of extreme. I needed something that was a bridge. And so I picked things that were less damaging, like a diet soda or like a piece of sugar-free gum. And those really helped me break those habits. Um, and then over time, you know, those things, I didn't need them anymore. Like I wasn't, the first thing I wasn't wanting after my meal was something sweet. And so I realized I stopped reaching for that, uh, after a time. Our bodies have the physical craving and then the emotional. So I, you know, like we both know that the emotional one takes longer, right? Especially during the holidays, we remember certain sweets and certain memories that are tied to certain smells and foods. But is once our body is really nourished with meats and we're fat adapted, then we can maybe let go of these kind of bridge foods like you mentioned. But I think there are certain people that never let go of those bridge foods. So I don't think they ever really hit a stage of ketosis. And so they're in that kind of um, that land where you don't have enough energy from glucose, but then you don't have enough energy from ketones. And so you just, that's like the most common complaint I get is my energy is low on a carnivore diet. And then when you go into their foods, they're either not eating enough fat um, or they're eating like, a little bit of fruits, dates. Um, I don't deal with people that are even that clean. It's like I'm having a glass of wine every night after the oh, yeah, kids go true. to bed. And it's like, so, that, you know, it's not even that refined. It's like I'm getting this, this said it was a keto mug cake and I'm making one of those every night after my, you know, like that's the kind of stuff that I usually hear. And, okay. and or even just like l- lower carb alcohol or um, something else like that, more keto geared. In my KetoCon talk, I talked about James Clear. Um, I don't think I talked about it in Carnivore Cure, but, you know, there is such a thing as compounding of positives where he's basically like, if you just consider improving 1% better every day. So let's say you start with, you know, just one sit up every day and then you increase it by one every day. Well, he's saying that within a 365 days later, you can be 38% better because of this compounding of benefits, right? And so if you have less days of just cheating, you will be far greater than if you had a day of cheating and then start again. Does that make sense? And so he also talks about the compounding of negatives. So you think, oh, one day and then one weekend of cheating is not so bad. But it's like it's a compounding of these days that then make it, you know, weeks and months and that stuff. And so it is overwhelming to say to like my parents when they were first going to go keto to say you can never have rice again. They were like, oh, my goodness. Right. I'm Asian. How can I never (laughs) have rice again? So instead, it was like, okay, just until you get fat adapted, you can't eat rice. And then maybe later you can have like a quarter cup of rice. And that is more manageable. And so that's why I hone in on the daily wins, right? To say, okay, Laura, you have to lose 50 pounds in five months seems, well, that's so far away. Let me start the diet tomorrow, right? I need a few days motivation. I got to really get it out of my system before I'm going to do that. A hundred percent. You just said that right now. And I instantly went like, oh, what am I going to have before I start this (laughs) ridiculous torture? Yeah. And so, and even with the Carnivore 75 Hard Challenge, I know people kind of, you know, went a little crazy right before because they knew on October, whatever the date was, we're starting. So before then, we're just going to eat a free for all. And that's the thing about these kind of challenges, or if you don't continue the win days, that's where it becomes dangerous, because then you're setting yourself up for every New Year's, like New Year's resolution, I'm going to do this. But most people by February something they fail, right? And so it's instead just have daily wins that support your long term goal. And that's why it makes it so much easier, right? Like your daily win is no matter what you're going to be carnivore, regardless of the fasting, regardless of exercise. And for me too, mine is mostly meat based, right? So I need to make sure that 99 or 95% of my diet is meat based. And then if I want to add, I don't know, like some avocado, or I don't even eat that much, but you know, whatever it is, um, 
that that's the most important or that I get like a few days of exercise and these are kind of my daily wins. And then that's where you'll look back and be like, oh my gosh, it's been a few months and I've been just succeeding at my daily wins and now I've come this far. And so that's where for me in general, I'm not the fan of cheat days just because of this whole fact of the compounding of positives. Along those lines, like you said, the the problem is when you have like, I need to do this in five months or I'm going to do carnivore for 90 days. Well, what happens if on day 15, you slip or you unintentionally, you know, un- look, it happens, like stuff happens, whatever. You have a glass of yeah. wine, you have cake at the party, somebody brings a donut to work, you do that. The mentality that it takes to then start on day 16, right back on track again on that Thursday and get back on track again is that has taken me the last 36 years to be able to figure that out. Because what I normally would have done is been like, well, that was a bust, forget it. And there goes my entire 90 day challenge. And now rather than having 89 days that were great in there, I now have 15 and then I gave up on day 15 because of forever. And and when I put so much overwhelming pressure on myself because of that, with that mentality, like you said, of the cheat meal, like I have cheated and I have failed and now right. I am ashamed and now I'm going to punish myself and now I'm going to feel bad and now I'm going to eat more and worse. And I feel that like to my core, you know? I try to break that kind of mentality with my clients because they always will say, oh, I was a hundred percent pure carnivore, no cheats. And it's almost like this kind of metal you give yourself, right? So I was purely carnivore for three months and then I had a cheat and then I kind of fell off and X, Y, Z happened. And so I'll always say, you know, we need to kind of take off that hat because some clients have come to me because they can't stop cheating. And so I just say, it's not like stop focusing on one day of cheating. Instead, it's like, okay, so I ate off plan for lunch. But for dinner, I'm just going to continue the course and eat steak. But I notice a lot of people when they mess up, or they eat off plan, or they cheat or whatever you want to call it, then they're like, I have to do doubly the (laughs) that's not even a word, but double the (laughs) amount of compensation, right? So then people think, okay, then I'm going to fast. We hear that all the time. Yeah, it just set your brain up to possibly binge more because all of a sudden you're removing all this glucose that you were eating throughout this period. And so your body's going to actually think that it is in starvation mode and not think, oh, it's because you're fasting. And, you know, if you, if you do that all the time. So the better thing to do, I think, is if you have a period of cheating, just eat meat, solid amounts of food get nourished, and then you can fast and then you could do the levers to lose weight. But don't think I'm going to overcompensate by trying to fast because I know a lot of people that after they fast when they start eating, their brain just can't shut off the eating. And then they end up binging and then sometimes they binge on sugary foods. And then that whole period of fasting was a waste. Yeah. I mean, you guys know I love fasting. I I love I believe in it. I think it's helped with weight loss. It's helped with me mentally. I can only fast if I'm in a really good, solid place of having no cravings and I have to get to a place of being solid and having no cravings by eating meat that I love and meat that I enjoy as often as I feel like I need to, to get myself into that really good place. If I have had something off plan or if I have had something that's like not a strict carnivore or I'm not feeling great or mentally stressed, like that's not a good time for me to fast because I'm the same as you. I'll kind of freak out and then it almost makes it worse where I'm grabbing anything that I can find to eat and I lose all of that. And it usually makes it worse. And then in some ways, like I'm like, well, that was the fault of, it wasn't the fault of the fasting. It was a poorly timed. That's a, we've talked about fasting in a different episode, but I agree. You can't make up for that um, for any eating off plan or eating a bunch of carbs it is going to get you back into ketosis faster. I mean, that's a scientific fact. However, it's going to really be miserable doing that. And uh, it's not mentally going to help you to create a better habit moving forward. It's really just saying, okay, I ate something off plan and now I'm going to eat or, or, or intentionally, I intentionally chose to eat carbs and I chose because I wanted to have a cheat day. So now I'm going to go back to eating meat the next day and just enjoy and eat as much meat as you need to, to kind of get rid of those carb cravings again. 
that's hard for people to do because there's this natural kind of punitive, okay, so how do I need to compensate for eating carbs or for cheating? And so to think the next day I'm going to nourish my body with two pounds of meat or, you know, eat sufficiently so I don't crave carbs so that I don't go back to it. That's not the natural thought that people have. People think, okay, so tomorrow I'm going to eat clean. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to fast? Am I going to eat only one pound of meat? And what are ways to like get back into everything? And so then it's like we try to, you know, do all of these compensatory mechanisms that aren't in the bigger picture. They're not ideal. So, you know, for you, Laura, what would you do? Like, let's say you planned a cheat day and then it kind of ended up making it a weekend or a few weeks or whatever it is. Like, what ha- what are your tips to kind of get back into ketogenic state or a meat-based kind of way of eating? I have to have a really good plan after that. I have to, in some ways, spoil myself with meat. Like I think in the past I used to like try to lean cuts fast. I used to try to do those things. And then I always just was miserable. And I'm like, man, that pizza I had three days ago was way better. And I'll just do that again. This is too hard. I'm too restrictive and too difficult. So now in a lot of ways I spoil myself Yeah. Um, with, I buy an expensive steak. I buy some you know, like enjoys a little bit of extra cheese with my meal. I try to set limits on eating meals and not snacks because the snacking makes me not hungry for a meal, which then makes me want, has, gives me cravings and stuff. So I have to make sure I'm intentionally having like some really good meals. I have to try to change up my mindset. Um, because even after some sort of cheat or some sort of, you know, it's, it's reminding yourself in the moment, like why it's not worth it. Like it's not worth it because I feel this way. It's maybe writing it down and kind of referencing back to that. Physically, it's not worth it for that reason. Mentally, it's not worth it. It can take a long time to really mentally get past it. And so for me, it is a lot of like, I'll say this. If you, if you have a cheat day where it's like a full on crazy weekend of like carbs and all that kind of stuff, like you physically feel beyond terrible. And you're like, I'm never going to do that again. (laughs) And then about 10 o'clock Monday morning, you're like, "Ah, well, maybe this doesn't sound that bad anymore. (laughs) Like you forget your mind forgets very quickly that you just felt like you were going to explode the night before. And you're like, I'm never going to do this again. You, you forget that very quickly. And so you have to find a way to remind yourself of that. And like mentally getting back on track is so hard. I have to have these like extreme short-term goals. It's planning out what is my next meal going to be and how will I survive? And then what's my next meal beyond that? And like, okay, now I just have to make it to Friday without a cheat. And then let's make it through one weekend without a cheat. And really then you kind of inch all those things forward. I'm sure I've said all this a bazillion times, but it's really just kind of like baby stepping your way into long-term success rather than feeling like I just had a crazy weekend. I went on a, you know, had my best friend's wedding and I ate everything I wanted to the whole entire weekend. Like if you can do that, do that. Enjoy that. If you don't have some crazy autoimmune issue, if you think that that's enjoy your life, go on vacation, go to, you know, enjoy the food that you want on vacation. When you come back, it's knowing what is the plan that's in place of how I'm going to get back on track again. And how am I going to kind of stair step my way into, um, being successful. And for me, that's baby steps. It's not saying I'm going to come back from vacation or come back from this wedding and then be solidly strict for six months or back to forever or something like I just wouldn't, I would give up too quickly and and forget it all and go all the way back. Obviously, I think it's really important to know your why before you do any kind of lifestyle change so that when things are hard and you have to remind yourself, no, I remember that my eczema was really bad or that I wasn't sleeping through the night or that my legs were getting swollen by the end of the night or, you know, X, Y, Z. It's so easy to forget where you've come from when you've healed a lot. And so having like your pros and cons list prior to even starting this way of eating is so good so that when you're struggling, maybe, and you have fallen off that you can put it on your refrigerator and you look at that and you remember, I do remember how good it was to be healed. And so I am going to stick to eating meat based. And as much as it's hard to not want to 
kind of go all in with a diet where maybe you're eating less, you're trying to do all this exercise and start intermittent fasting. Instead of doing all of that, the baby steps is the best thing. Even for me, I just think as much as it's counterintuitive, I'm like, I'm going to eat two pounds of meat if I want. Um, I'll eat like as much fat. I'm going to add butter. And it's just what? Like you've just gained so much weight eating off plan. And now you're going to eat this way. But that is the only way that if you physically nourish your body enough, that then you can fight the mental battles of the sugar cravings because your body is so full that it's not going to say, yes, go get the cake or go get whatever else. And then every day you have a successful day, it just makes the next day easier. And then that's why the daily wins are so important. Instead of thinking, okay, now I need to eat clean for 30 days, or I need to lose 30 pounds or whatever it is. Instead, it's just, I'm just going to make it through this meal. I'm just going to make it through this day. And that's why I say, take it one meal at a time, one day at a time, because that's how like in my KetoCon talk, I say success, but get success. Like that's really the motivation. It's not the motivation of, you know, putting up a, a picture of this perfect model looking person and then saying, that's how I'm going to look. And so therefore I'm going to eat clean. Sorry, that's not going to motivate you long term. Yeah, yeah I, you, I, of course. What you really need is just the day to day. And so as much as you know, you want to start cutting or eating less calories to start kind of going back to feeling better. I think the best thing to do after you have like a cheat period or eating off plan is to have grace, be patient, and just feel your body in the right way. And then in a month, you're not going to worry that you ate bad because you'll have eaten well. And then you could start fasting, doing the intermittent fasting, doing more exercise, but just take the steps life is longer than we think in like that one month. I think that's where the mindset shift of a lifestyle change versus like, I'm on a diet, I want to lose weight. And like, I was on a diet and I lost weight. I lost a lot of weight very fast. And then all of a sudden I went, okay, now what do I do with that? And how do I handle it? And that's where this like brick wall of a lifestyle change, like hit kind of hit me head on. And so now I have this mentality of, this is the way that I eat. I'm a carnivore. I do think I'll be a carnivore forever, but that doesn't mean I'll never eat anything else forever. I kind of had made this deal with myself. I'm not going to do all the keto treats and all the other stuff because to me, it's not worth it and kind of only messes me up. But does that mean I'm not going to eat real food or real sugar or something else ever again? Probably not. But that does that, does that mean I'm not a carnivore? Absolutely not. I'm still a carnivore. Uh, if in 365 days out of the year, I eat strict carnivore, 300 of them, and I happen to eat something else the other five days in the, to me, that's a win. I'm a carnivore. Now, mentally, I have to know what I can handle and what I can't. I'm not in a place where I can handle regular cheat days or regular carbs or other things. Maybe that's still a lie where I'm convincing myself that someday I can, (laughs) or it's still this hope I hold out that like someday I'll be able to handle it. But just knowing that is kind of what helps keep pushing me through at this point, you know, and there's, there's not this failure of I have failed and I have lost everything. And I've, you know, I'm no longer strict or I'm no longer this because I've failed. Like I don't have that mentality where it's just, I go back to my life and I eat the way that I'm eating every day, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a big reason why I started trying to fight the dogma in the carnivore space, just because I would have my clients feel like I failed because I ate a vegetable or a fruit or something. And, and then they would, you know, I I don't know if they consider me like they're like the police of the like being their nutritionist. So they'll be like, they want to confess. (laughs) (laughs) No, exactly. So they'll say I was really good, but I had this and it's like, that's fine. I mean, it's just this is real life. And so the dogma needs to stop just because otherwise, then that mentality of I'm cheating. So since I'm cheating anyway, since I had some plants or veggies, then might as well have some fruits and then lead to sugars and then processed foods. And so if you have some, so be it, move on. It's really just don't be so punitive to yourself because that can be one reason you spiral. Um, you you just, okay, so I ate a meal that wasn't carnivore or meat-based and so be it. Um, hopefully you're not like emotionally dependent on those foods, like the sugars, but then you move on and say, tomorrow I'm just going to have a lunch that I normally would have of just like bacon and eggs or whatever right. it is. And then you move on from it. If you 
penalize yourself with like, well, I was 30 days carnivore. And now I can't say that. And now I'm back to day one, that mindset totally destroys people. And that's where I'm saying this dogma, there's no award for carnivore. This is where this is your life. If you ate off plan, who cares? Move on. And this is still day 31 for you. It's not back to day one. And if anyone considers that it's just it's dogma that is not beneficial for anybody. Right. It's not there's the comparison. That's where a lot of things are the comparisons. Um, We don't really know what happens with everybody but behind closed doors. And that's okay. And it doesn't matter who's you know, how strict somebody is versus how you are, you have to do what works for you. I think it's great that there's a lot of people out there who can do things that are regular and a holiday comes around and they have all their old favorite foods. Some of us have made up new traditions for holidays because we know we can't handle that. And I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned is just no matter how much I want to convince myself that I can handle it, I still know that I can't handle it. And that, um, it's just not worth it physically and it's just not worth it mentally. It's so much harder for me to um, kind of, it brings floods, all the floods of cravings back. It does bring a little, some shame back. It's just not worth it to me. And so the longer that I can go without that, um, the better off that I'll be. And I think then it's in that moment of, you know, the donut looks good or the cake looks good or whatever it is. It's just trying to remind yourself that it's not worth it and, you know, how you're going to feel afterwards. Um, And I will say that anytime that I have planned a cheat day and pushed past it, not had it, rescheduled it to the future, pushed it out, or I've been strong and I've held out on not having that cheat food, or every time I've made it through a holiday without having the specialty holiday foods, which are my killers, I'm not going to lie, were for years because they're only around once a year, right? Every time I've pushed past an Easter without having Easter candy, I have never regretted it. I've never said like, man, I really wish, like, remember a month ago when Easter was happening and I didn't have that specific carrot cake flavored item that only comes around once a year? Like, I've never regretted passing it up. But Anytime that I've ever caved and had something, I've always regretted it afterwards. And so in the moment of that thing looks so flipping good, it's really hard to, to push yourself past it. But it is remembering that, you know, trying to convince yourself and remind yourself of how you're going to feel afterwards um, and if it's really worth it to you or not. I think the first year for me, it was easier to cave into those kind of cravings, especially when I was ketogenic and I was eating the sweeteners. But then after each year, as I've been more meat based, I know exactly how crappy I feel. And then it just makes it so not worth it. Because then for days, I feel like I'm, I have a hangover, right? And I'm trying to get yeah. back into ketosis. And it just each day, it just becomes less and less worth it. Now, I do feel that as I've been more fat adapted, my diet has been more flexible. And I never thought I'd be here either, right? So I thought the minute I had one spoon of ice cream, I would totally have to binge, right? And now I can do that. Not often, though. I I would never try to do that every day because I know I'm not a moderator by heart. Um, And so, but, you know, if the kids are eating it and if I just want to taste it now, if it's like a brand new flavor, I can do it and then move on. And I'm still in ketosis because I'm not eating it. At least I'm able to try that one spoon, I guess, and not go crazy, which I feel like is growth for me. Right. And that's important. But, you know, I think as we're wrapping up, um, you know, we've talked about for us, the struggles of cheating and what that has meant for us and how to kind of get back on board and how it's a path that is not as fun or quick, but it's probably the most sound to take is to take the long road and be patient with yourself. Um, but if we were to kind of sum- summarize this, you know, I think there are some points that we should consider if, or you guys should consider if you're considering a cheat day or eating off plan. One, I'd say change the mindset, right? So this is not, I'm going to cheat, but maybe it's like you're planning a meal that's off plan. So let's say, you have an anniversary coming up and it's you're going to have a five course meal. And the question is that a lot of the foods aren't meat based. So then you have to decide, is it worth it for you to eat those foods? And maybe there are certain foods you'll try during that meal. So one, I would say, don't call it a cheat meal because just the word cheat is very, very negative. And it's right. just the mindset is just not a good place. Then it's like, okay, well, I might as well cheat on everything that's bad. But off plan eating is very different. Um, And then, you know, we talked about moderators and 
abstainers, but know if you are naturally an abstainer versus a moderator. So if you know that you're kind of all or nothing, maybe cheat days won't be beneficial for you. I also think I also think that having a plan for how to fix it, right? If you have the anniversary meal, you want to have some dessert on that day, do that. But what's your plan? How are you going to get back on track the next day? Knowing what are your next steps to make sure things don't spiral out of control, to make sure you don't punish yourself, to make sure you can be confident in how you're going to get back on track. Yeah, that actually was really helpful for me in the beginning of my ketogenic journey, I remember meal planning a lot. So I knew what my lunch and dinner would be as boring as it was, but it helped me kind of stay on track and the food was readily available. So I think that's really smart. So if you plan on doing an off plan meal or, you know, having a weekend where you are eating off plan, then maybe have, you know, like your refrigerator full of eggs and bacon and other foods that are really accessible that you start eating on Monday so that it's like, okay, yeah, I enjoyed that time. And now I'm moving on and eating kind of a cleaner diet. Um, The other thing to really think about is, you know, how long have you been meat based? So if you've only been trying to eat meat based for about a month, um, I I really think it's best to go about 100 days without any cheats. I know that's hard. And if you're on day one, and you're listening to this, that's probably the worst thing to hear. So just take it day by day. I think the bigger thing is, Write down all the goods and bads of why you want to try a meat-based diet, whether it's autoimmune, gut issues, mental health. Um, All of those things can be healed with a meat-based diet. And then take it day by day. So every day, just have really small goals of whether it's like, I'm going to just make my bed today. I'm just going to walk to the mailbox. Um, I'm just going to have a lunch and dinner of meat, um, meaty foods. And as simple as that is, and then take it day by day. Don't think about the 90 day mark or the 100 day like that's really hard. Um, I don't know for you, Laura, like, how did you make it through your kind of first 100 days of being carnivore? I mean, honestly, I planned a cheat day at the end of it, where I like I planned something, but I didn't. But the but the more you get there, right? I don't think I didn't even commit to 100 days at first. It was like, I'm going to lose this amount and then have a cheat day. And then after that happens, you get closer to that goal. I kind of tell myself like, okay, I just lost 10 pounds or I lost 20 pounds. My goal is to have a cheat day. Well, what's going to happen if I do that? Well, I'm going to gain back. I Let's not even talk about how much I could gain 20 pounds like in a weekend. <laughs> Very possible with the extra skin and adipose tissue and stuff that I have. So, um, I would tell myself, like, is it worth it? This is going to set me back for several weeks. Or I could just keep going for two more weeks and I could wait two more weeks. And then what could I do in this amount of time? And, like, it's that taking things one day at a time and realizing how much it would set me back to do those things and how, like – you know, results are addicting. And so you, that's why I was able to stick to it so much in the beginning. It's when I stopped having results, when I stopped losing weight, that's when things got harder of like, well, why can't I have a cheat day now? I don't need to lose any more weight. Like, why can't I? Well, then, you know, that's when I always like went way back up again. So I think that's the main thing is, I forget the point of that, but I can always talk myself out of it later or like tell myself why, like it's not worth it because you're having these results. You don't want this setback, like reschedule that for the future. And then I'm usually able to kind of find the motivation later to keep pushing that out. Yeah. In my KetoCon talk, I talked about how if somebody wanted to lose 50 pounds and they were six days into their new diet and they saw that they lost one pound, it's easier to go, you know what? this weekend, I'm just going to eat whatever I want, because I'm still closer to my original weight, than I am into losing the 50 pounds. But if you take it as a day to day win, and you just think, okay, I had six days of winning where I ate meat based, and then the seventh day will come more naturally. So I think that's where you're saying success is addictive. It's it's exactly right. When you're on a path and you're consistent, you just focus on the day-to-day and you see the successes in that. And so that's why mindset is so important. Then it becomes easier to keep going. No, I think we're, I think it's not, you said something about like do a hundred days of carnivore. And I I said this earlier, but if you're on day 15 and you have something (laughs) off plan, you can't give up on that entire process. Like it's, you can make it to the end and have 99 days of great, or maybe it's 80 days out of a hundred, but then you can build on that. Like the daily wins you keep talking about are huge and you just have to keep building on those and not let those setbacks cause you to give up on everything. 
Yeah, that's why um, Andy Frisella's um, original 75 hard is that if you mess up, you have to start back at day one. And I think that's really demotivating, actually, because yeah. then you have to think about, okay, I have to do all of what I just went through again. Then it's easier to just go, okay, let me just have a few more cheat days and then a few more. And then it's like you never want to start again. But if I were to say to people in the Carnivore 75 hard challenge and I said, okay, you messed up on day 21. Well, then just continue and you're on day 22. Then it feels like you have this, again, it's just the mindset, right? You still have this sense of accomplishment that you have done it for that many days. And so for me, I I think I initially stuck to the, yeah, if you messed up, you got to start again. But I really don't think it's actually motivating. I think people should just say, okay, I fell. I'm going to pick myself up and I'm going to continue. And that's, that's what life is, right? It's just we don't get a start and be reborn and then start again. I mean, we pick up from where we fell and then we continue. We learn from those lessons and then we just kind of just make the most of whatever's going on. And then we, you know, try to just live our best lives. And I think that's, what's really important, not just focusing on the cheat days or that now I'm no longer carnivore day, blah, blah, blah. Like who cares? Right. And listen, you're probably not listening to this podcast on a Monday. So whatever today is, start tomorrow, right? Like tomorrow's a good day. That's a huge victory to start a diet on a Friday. Like then you know you're serious. (laughs) Then you like, if there's nothing more motivating than starting a diet on like a Thursday or a Friday and not waiting till another Monday, cause like, dang, then you know you're, you're going to kill it. And I mean, really, I, I tell my clients, like, even if, your lunch wasn't good. Every moment is a time to start again, right? right? So it's not just, okay, well, today's a mess. So I might as well eat every single junk food that I wanted. Instead, it's just, I mean, that's really the whole point of this podcast is really just don't focus on cheat meals. And even if you need a day of eating off plan, change the narrative, change the mindset. It is not really cheating, but it's just have that day if it gives you the ability to to continue eating a meat-based diet or a ketogenic low-carb diet, but just continue after that. And don't lie to yourself about the fact that you think you can handle it when you can't. Be realistic. Know yourself. um, Have the list of things that you know you want to heal from this way of eating. And be honest, right? So if you're adding a bunch of carbs and you're like, well, this diet isn't working, I really challenge that because for every client I've had, there's always something that they didn't share in the beginning. And then I find it and I'm like, well, that's why you're not healing. So just little things, but most of all, just be honest with yourself and have grace. So whether you ate off plan or not, whether you had a plant with your diet or your meat-based diet, it doesn't matter. Just keep continuing because what matters, and this is what I tell my clients all the time is, what matters is more of like 80 to 90% of what you eat in your lifetime rather than just focusing on every day being perfect. Yeah. Excellent. Good advice. Thanks for tuning into the cutting against the grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review on Apple podcasts. This helps us to share a real talk with more community members. You can also find my other podcast nutrition with Judy on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Care in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura Eastbath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find our YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thank you again for joining us. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. 
You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain. <laughs>